Well, hello, everyone. My name is Lee Nichols, and I'm the Editor-in-Chief and Associate Publisher of Hydrocarbon Processing Magazine. And I want to welcome all of you to another installment of Hydrocarbon Processing's podcast series, The Main Column. Now, today I have a very special guest joining me. It's Mike Reed, who is the head of Aviva's AI Center of Excellence. And today, his topic is going to be on how to use artificial intelligence, or AI, to take your asset performance management techniques to the next level. Now, remember, you can subscribe to the main column podcast by clicking on the subscribe button, which is located on the podcast homepage, or you can use your smartphone by saying, hey, Google, Siri, or Alexa, subscribe me to the main column podcast. So without further ado, I want to introduce Mike Reed of Aviva. Mike, please take it away. Thank you very much, Lee. Um, as you mentioned, my name is Mike Reed. I'm the uh, head of the uh, Aviva AI Center of Excellence. Uh, just a little bit in my background, I'm an engineer with over 25 years of experience in the engineering, design, startup, operations, and maintenance of uh, facilities. And for the past 10 years, I've been heavily involved in asset performance management and uh, predictive analytics. So, you know, we talk about asset performance management and predictive analytics, and it's a relatively new, but maturing process. I would say it's sort of like a teenager by now. It's uh, We have uh, some softwares out on the market that are uh, used for this, and they're very able in predicting asset failures before they occur. And typically the way that we do this is a standard approach is using machine learning um, as, as a form of AI. This is, uh, with a, for example, the predictive asset analytics software that we have uh, with Aviva, we use existing sensor data and his, historian data to create a signature of good behavior for, for an asset. And then we can play back new existing, uh, occurring data as it, as it is happening in the plant versus these modes that we've identified as good behavior. When we see trends of deviation and duration uh, going away from what is good behavior, those are typically your early warning signs of a failure. You know, sort of think, think of it as symptoms of getting sick. And from those symptoms, we can see patterns of knowing of what these ailments are. And we, we have that typically by going back into our knowledge base and library of known failures for certain types of equipment. So by getting the early diagnosis, that allows, us, allows the end user, which is typically you know, at a facility or at the engineering oversight for a facility, to take proactive steps in order to either prevent that failure or ameliorate the effects of that failure. And so those initial things are shown to a, shown, and those are the, we typically call these things uh, anomaly detection. You know, so from the anomaly detection, in those patterns of failure, we can create what we call fault diagnostics that match those patterns of failure to those anomalies that are occurring. And then finally, from knowing those fault diagnostics and knowing the maintenance cures for these certain faults, we can create some prognostics to, to tell you how to actually handle this issue and what's going to happen here in the future. So. Just that brief ex example or a description of what it is, I would, uh, hopefully that set the line for what is becoming more of the, the standard in facilities now in, in, 
in, not only in the country, but in the globe. So there are limitations to this. You know, so what are these limitations? Well, one thing is you can't predict something that you cannot see, okay? So we need to have some sensors that exist in a way that we can actually gather that data so we're seeing this. You know, if, if you don't know what your blood sugar is, you don't know you have high blood sugar, you don't know how you have a diabetes, same concept, right? You need to know those sensors that are available, and those typically need to be available in some form of electronic method so we can then do this in real time. So you have the capability to actually take action in real time. So, you know, typically we're limited by the sensors that exist in the historian or some sort of uh, DCS that we can then put into a historian or some data concentrator to get this information in. We also use that historical data to create that fingerprint of good behavior. So the idea is past performance is indicative of future results, much unlike the stock market. And it comes to operating equipment, we want good behavior performance you know, to be replicated and identify those bad behaviors as they're in their incipient stages, not as they are actually showing up in alarms where all we are is in failure and triage mode. So um, where are the best fits for, for this? Typically, the low-hanging fruit of the best fits are in mechanical modeling, vibrations, bearing temperatures, oil temperatures, um, thrust-bearing temperatures, axial positions, things like that. It's very easily patternable with rotating machinery. If you think about a compressor, you think about a turbine, you see those items are easily transferable in your mind, too. I mean, you can have those patterns of failure. But it is not just limited to that. You know, you have other patterns of operation that are very easily, easily identified and processed. They're out built around pumps, built around heat exchangers, other items in your plant. Those are all really good areas to start working with predictive analytics. So let's make the assumption here that you may have some already some, some experience with predictive analytics and we're at that point where we're at the current state. You know, this, this topic here is to talk about where do we go to take this to the next level. So where is the limitations? Well, the, um, to reiterate that, we mentioned, you know, you can only have sensors that exist in the historian. Well, how about using artificial intelligence to actually create some of that sensor data based upon the other data that's there? And the way we can do that is to link in performance data or non-sensor data by using another software, like a simulation software, such as something like a Romeo or a DynSim or other other type of softwares to create this model by these pseudo sensors or maybe call them soft sensors. So we can create this by running those simulations at real time to come up with the values for these sensors that would be there if they were and then use these outputs as inputs to the predictive analytics software. And what does that do? Well, the more information that I have available to me, typically the more accurate or prediction I can make because I can then start getting more granular ideas of what I am looking at. So if I have you know five sensors, I might be able to make 
a, into the operations and behavior there. So I can only make generalizations on the condition. But the more sensors that are available to me, I can then start taking those generalizations and dial them down into more specific uh, conditions. And that, knowing those more specific conditions, we can help identify more anomalies directly through the uh, software as opposed to only having to take the generalization and then do offline troubleshooting. So that's one of the big benefits, which will increase and it'll shorten what you would consider your operations decision loop of being able to figure out what to do to remediate these conditions. And the other thing is by having some more of these, what I would consider performance related sensors, which is typically where these pseudo sensors come in, we should be able to start identifying processes and performance issues that are not just talking about reliability of the equipment, but talking about the efficiency of the equipment. So here we start opening up the capability to start identifying issues that are costing me money even though I'm still running because it's an efficient operation. Or even more importantly, especially when we get to many of the environmental issues, maybe I'm having an inefficient combustion that's now being out, is, is causing me environmental issues, or I have some other issues that need to be ameliorated so I can stay on the right side of the environmental regulations. And of course, those also sometimes do carry fines. So you definitely want to stay on the right side of that. And then finally, it gives you a much better situational awareness from being even being removed from the equipment itself of what is actually going on at the facility. Not only the piece of equipment there, but the over as a whole. So this is the first step that we're taking, taking using AI to take it to the next level. Other steps that we're looking at in, in AI techniques, and some are more developed than others, the the ever-present brass ring, the remaining useful life. Okay, if you identify I have an issue, how long do I have to actually react to it? And here is very, very important that the more sensor censoring I have capable to me, that the more accurate that prediction of how long it may take before I pass that threshold on the event horizon of no return. So it can also then help us knowing our impact analysis. If I know performance and I know reliability issues, I can now put that in to figure out if I run in a degraded state for a certain amount of time, how much am I losing? And that can help me with my prediction of, do I stay online in a degraded state because it's cheaper for me in the long run to stay online than to have to bring it down and do the maintenance at this point. So that now helps us optimize around our maintenance. And the other area to optimize around this maintenance is start using and augmenting it with a schedule AI software to help us determine the optimum time to perform these maintenance tasks. You know, around around the so this makes a look at our operations and so we can minimize the impact the impact on operations in order to handle these handle these issues. So if you notice these are building blocks upon another. Because we were able to identify a, a problem before it became a problem that we were only reacting to we are now able to pre-plan maintenance, pre-plan operations, get things staged in order to minimize the negative impact on our operations. And that, of course, will save us money and in, in um, some cases, you know, reputation 
with uh, within the larger community. So this is all part of what we would call a, a predictive asset optimization strategy. And so I hope you see how this all links together. It's sort of a way of linking the people that are doing the job, the processes that are being done, and the technology is this bridge between them to help optimize their capabilities. And so I, I thank you for uh, listening to this uh, this description here. Hopefully, it, you know, raises some questions in your mind and maybe you know some some it stimulates some thinking along these lines. Um, that's all I have for right now. Uh, over back to you, uh, Lee. Excellent. Thank you, Mike, for that insightful overview. Um, real quick question, though. If anyone has any additional questions that they sure. might have or they want more information about the topic, where can they go? Uh, okay, Lee, thanks. Uh, uh, I would recommend uh, go to the Aviva website. On the Aviva website, there's a section uh, that covers predictive asset analytics. There's also sections that cover our other softwares that go everywhere from engineering, planning and operations, maintenance, and, of course, this asset performance management. So it's all part of this predictive asset optimization eco ecosystem that uh, I was describing a bit earlier. And uh, just as an aside, we're having a white paper should be coming out in the next couple of weeks on this particular issue. Great. Well, thanks again, Mike, for your time. We really, really appreciate it that you, that you gave us some time today. Uh, remember, everyone, you can subscribe to the main column podcast by clicking on the subscribe button, which is located on the podcast homepage. Or you can use your smartphone by saying, hey, Google, Siri, or Alexa, subscribe me to the main column podcast. So thanks, everyone, for listening today. <laughs>